0: everybody! Welcome to the Boom Podcast. I'm your host, Candace Wynn, and we are Black Next Gen Thought Leaders discussing Black Next Gen Ministry. And of course, I got my boy here with me, Robert E. Purvey. And Purvey, bro, yep. we have our sister, Tandra Rutledge, who's up in the Chicagoland area, but she currently serves as a suicide prevention specialist. And she's also a youth ministry leader. You got background in youth ministry. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But you work at Soul Shop. Hey, Tandra, how are you today?
1: hey candace hey pervy hey hey i'm so excited (laughs) to talk to you
0: yeah it's you know and i think in this conversation today we're talking about how to support children youth and families who are just experiencing some major difficult times and i think that it's it's there's all kind of you know mental health professionals that are out there and that exist that we probably have access to you know but then you have the people who have youth ministry background and experience, and also yeah. just a deep love for the Lord, and and, and the desire yeah. to bring those two worlds together to support our youth. And I feel like that comes together in, in who you are. Um, but tell us a little bit about the work that you do with Soul Shop. I know our listeners probably want to hear like Soul Shop. What? I want to know, know more about that. Tell us about <laughs> Soul Shop.
2: Yes, I will. I, so I'm so excited um, to be here. Soul Shop. So I'm the Director of Youth and Campus Ministry Programs at Soul Shop. And Soul Shop is a faith-based organization that is committed to equipping faith community leaders to be able to minister to um, those individuals who are impacted by suicide in their congregations. And so mm-hmm. I am drawn to this work because of my calling by God. I mean, that there's just no other way of putting that. Um, In my intro, you talked about like my mental health training. So I'm a therapist by training. You talked about my ministry work. I've been in ministry for over uh, 20 years, 25 Mm. years. I've lost count and soul shop really embodies. It was a calling by God. It really embodies the best of um, what God has gifted me with, you know, to be able Mm. to bring my training and experience in mental health and suicide prevention and my love for the Lord to the church in a way that um, offers hope and healing. I, I just couldn't. It's just a, been a blessing. It's, this journey has been a blessing and we are just getting started. We're just getting yeah. started. I love yeah. it.
0: That's yeah. cool. How old is How old So Shop?
2: soul shop is 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 in its infancy really it's just um it's just a few years old and really in the last 18 months to two years we have and this is the power of this movement right Mm
0: -hmm. we have
2: recruited and onboarded we have now about 50 trainers in our trainer Mm. network in the last 18 months to two years so, as we're going through this conversation, if this resonates with you and you feel like you're called, you want to be a part of this movement, the soul shop movement. Um, I know I'm gonna share my information with you all, and you can get in contact and you can be a part of this movement as well. So there is definitely um um a need for it. And our vision is to have a soul shop trainer in every church. In yeah. every church. And our vision really is um um to be a church universal church where no Mm -hmm. one loses hope and no one feels alone. Mm -hmm. And that vision can go alongside all any church's current vision or mission, right? It can be a standalone vision or mission for every church. Um, You Mm -hmm. know, every church's mission or vision.
0: Mm. Yeah, that is, that is cool. You know, and I think that within, Within the and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is just something that I've seen. This is not necessarily rooted in any kind of data, y'all. So don't be like, "Oh, this is factual." It's not factual. It's just from my from me scrolling on the Instagram, right? And this is what I see. Um, Instagram is factual. <laughs> no, ca- is factual. No, oh, TikTok <laughs> is <laughs> okay, factual. Instagram is okay. <laughs> it's a
1: canonism. It's a canonism.
0: Okay. <laughs> um Right, but 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 I feel like there has been a shift in. People of color talking about counseling and mental health. And I feel like historically it's been one of those things where there was a stigma around seeking mental health care within the black community in particular, you know, like if, if you went to see a counselor, you were considered quote unquote crazy. And even me saying crazy, I feel like it's, 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 it's um an, an, an inaccurate, inaccurate term. And it's, it's one that's filled with lots of different trauma for people because it's just, you know, you don't call people crazy. Um, but that's what some of the stigma that existed within black communities is if you went to saw any sort of therapist or any kind of counselor for anything, I think that's what people thought about you and then there was a lot of barriers that existed for people of color to seek counseling whether it be financial you know or or access to therapists who we felt like could connect with you and respond to you based on your true your lived experiences you know um, but it's been something that's been taboo but i feel like what i've seen is there's been a shift and what i feel like i've seen is as i think about it and just like process it i feel like there's been a shift with gen x and millennials, and maybe some younger Gen X, I don't know, right? (laughs) But within that Gen X, there's been some sort of some shift of people entertaining the idea or talking about mental health, and maybe possibly even it, it resulting in people seeking care. And with the audience that most of us serve, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, Gen Z and Gen Alpha are the children of Gen X and millennials. So hopefully some of that translates into how people are caring for their children these days. Right. So is that is that a true assessment? Do you agree with that? Or, or is it something that I'm totally just making up from what I I'm 100% scrolling?
2: agree with you? You're not making it up. We do. There are some generational differences in what we're seeing. Um, what I'm excited about is that the younger generation is more willing to talk about mental health and to um, take, do things to take care of their mental health to, to try to seek out and not just traditional therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you take a holistic, you know, um, you look at it from a holistic approach of how we care for ourselves, right? Like, you know, um, I think that there's more talk about it nationally. And I think in, within the Black community, um, you know, it's a revolutionary act. Audre Lorde talked about self-care being a revolutionary act, this political warfare, um, and and rest right nap. There's a whole ministry, a nap ministry, right? Like I'm like, yes, I'm down the nap ministry, and I do think that um, there is a shift, and I'm excited about that shift. Um, and I and I think that um, in our community, there's still there still are people though. Their stigma is still real, and mm-hmm. access is still a problem, right? It, it still is a problem. Yeah. Um, access to culturally responsive treatment right and and the way we're cared for when we're treat- when we seek treatment that's a real thing yeah. mean, that's the thing that I still experience when I go to get health care and so those are things that are still real for our community, and that's why it's so important for the church right mm-hmm. to be able to care for us right to find some some hope and healing in. The church and the faith community, because the research shows that we are more likely as black, black people to turn to the faith community when we're struggling. That's where we're turning. And so we want to be able to equip um, the faith community and our churches with the tools that they need to appropriately respond so that we provide hope and healing and not harm,
1: mm-hmm. as has been
2: the case at times.
1: So, one, one thing that um, I'm seeing, and like, um, especially with the social media platforms TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, one thing that I see is that a lot of people talk about mental health and counseling, and they lean on the posts to be their counselor rather than actually seek out counseling. So, especially uh, with a lot of um, younger millennials and some uh, older Gen Xers, like, I, you know, I'm talking about what I hear from uh, being a young adult pastor as well, and a lot of young adults. Well, I saw this on TikTok. I saw this on Instagram. This is this, this. And like, and I'll ask, okay, do you have a therapist? Like, no, nah, I, I follow this therapist on Instagram. And so they feel like, you know, as long as the ther- they, they go to therapy on the social media platform. <laughs> right and so i think i think the church has to be aware of that that we have to uh, make sure we put some things in place to let people know the importance of actually seeking out a therapist that can talk to your specific needs uh mm-hmm. because social media is, is is not the digital couch is not the couch you need to lay on right mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely and there yeah. i think there's a place for um you know social media and following therapists and um, and getting the, the encouraging words and the, you know, and those types of things. And, and we can make a we can make a little bit of a distinction here. So let's define mental health, right? And, and I like to do that. Um, so mental health has to do with how we think, how we feel and how we behave, right? It has to do with how we cope with everyday stressors, how we respond, how we interact with one another. We all have mental health, right? Just like we all have physical health we have good days, we have bad days, and our mental health Mm -hmm. is on a continuum, right? Um, For many people, um, talking to someone or listening to a podcast or um, an app or something like that can can help us when we're having a bad day or having the blues. Mm. The problem is if um, our mental health or our thinking, our feeling or our behavior starts to interfere significantly with our daily functioning right over a longer mm-hmm. period of time, then that can be an indication that we need professional help. everybody doesn't need a therapist but if 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 you're struggling in an area or areas of your life and you're feeling stuck um you're struggling with your emotions or with your thoughts or with your behavior and it's causing disruptions for you. If other people are seeing things in your behavior that are causing disruptions in you, right? There's a change in you that people see or that you see that is different from what you used to be. Like we don't, we're not going to necessarily get all deep into it, but if there's some changes, then that could be an indication that you need some professional help. It's great that we're asking our friends, okay, it's great that you follow this person on online, but maybe you need to see a therapist. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think right, Tammy, real
1: quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Great questions you, to ask. I need you to I need, I need no I need I need you to lean into that disruption part. Cause I I, I think somebody really needs to hear that. Uh, Cause you said uh everybody doesn't necessarily need a therapist, but there are certain disruptors in your life that you that that cause these changes that cause you to maybe lean into seeking out. The, can you like run past that one more time? That's very, that's powerful.
2: Yes. So if so if you are having problems in your relationships, right? If you're not getting along, you're having conflicts in relationships. You know, constant arguing. Um, um, you know. Not, you know, problems at work, problems at home, in those relationships, if your mood is 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 changing or has changed, if you're irritable, if you're sad, if you're angry, if you're frustrated, if you're having outbursts, if you're withdrawing from people and and not doing things that you usually enjoy, right? If we're talking about the church, if you're, you know, not coming around, if you're isolating yourself um if you're having thoughts that are disturbing to you if you're thought having thoughts of harming yourself or harming others um if you're having thoughts that um are frightening to other people you know um if you're thinking things that are not based in reality if you are drinking or using drugs more than you should you know um if you're engaging in risky behaviors risk taking you know when we're talking about young people you know Um, Are they doing things that are putting themselves at risk of harm? You also want to think about, and we, and we often miss this, what type of life changes have happened, right? We we sometimes just focused on, focus on emotions and things like that. um, But sometimes big transitions in life. So a divorce, a loss, uh, you know, a death of a loved one, Uh, Even a transition from middle school to high school, you know, can be stressful and traumatic. So you're looking for changes in people's lives. And with those changes in people's lives, you're looking for changes in thinking and feeling and behaving that are causing problems in areas of their lives. And in ministry, right, in ministry, because we're in relationship with one another, right? Because it's not just about Mm -hmm. programs. And that's one of the things that in my years of experience in ministry, that's been really important to me is that we have to be in relationship with our young people. Like we have to know- the things that are going on in their lives. It's great they show up for Bible class. It's great that they show up for choir rehearsal and we take them places and they're laughing and smiling in our faces and they like being around us and they dap us up and they hug us. But mm-hmm. what's really going on behind the mask? Because people who struggle will still smile.
1: Uh-huh. That's right.
2: They still smile. And as ministry workers, our Our job is to get at the heart
0: of the matter. So, you know, and I think that when it comes to those things and you're you're talking good, and I think that a lot of ministry leaders aren't equipped to recognize those things, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why I want to have this conversation, because one, we're not equipped to recognize some of those things. Sometimes we don't always know what to do or what to say, and we, we need to have some practical tools. Under our tool belt, within within our abilities to be able to navigate some of those things, because, yeah, the church has, you know, we've heard it said many, many times, I'm sure, that the church is supposed to be a hospital for the sick, right? So when people, when they need something, especially within the Black community, you go see your pastor. Right. You go talk to your pastor when you got some problems going on. That's what we do. Right. And because of the way that the church leans into those feeling centers and those thinking centers and those behaving centers and like and, and through the lenses of, you know, how the Bible should inform or how our faith should inform the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we behave. People oftentimes do gravitate towards the church to seek that kind of a care and support because how those things are addressed from the public platform in the pulpit. Right. So it's like, Hey, I can come here when I got this problem, but a lot of pastors are not licensed mental health professionals. Mm -hmm. Most are not. So with, with that being said, I remember vividly being in youth ministry and sitting there listening to Teenagers talking to me and being like, Hmm, I got a psychology degree. Let me see what I can pull out. You know me. I mean? That's just a bad <laughs> undergrad degree, bachelor's, but I've got no mental health training, right? Other than the things that I just feel intuitively and not to knock my intuition, but the reality is too, you can't just have intuition without being trained and mm-hmm. you have to have some sort of a, a training to know how to really navigate those things. Um, because, you know, you, if you if you are a youth leader listening to this and you have not had any child or a teenager or a family approach you about something that just felt really really big and you didn't know what to do with it, then you're blessed and you're you, you know you're you're really really blessed. But there might be a day that comes when it happens, and it's hopefully coming. this conver- yeah it's coming. Um, <laughs> hopefully this conversation will equip you to know how to navigate those those tough things. You know, be, be it a, a family that I mean, I've had families. Cool child, listen, I've had families that have experienced food insecurity homelessness. I mean, I have paid for people's people to, to be able to stay in their places, paid rent personally out of my pocket because I felt sorry for this family. Is that sustainable? No, I can't do that and keep doing that in my house. But I've given, you know, contributed as much as I could, um, whether it be to like a hotel or whatever. But you have with the violence rate of youth within the nation that we're experiencing today, the, the national mental health crisis that we're that we're seeing. These kids are in our ministries. These families are within our churches and we have got to be equipped to know how to navigate and to support them the best that we can. Um, So this is this is this is this is just, just good, good, really good conversations. And I think that it's important that you couple the situations that people experience with faith. Because I think that there's, there's, there's a way for people to experience God in a broader way when we, their leaders, can help to support them as they're navigating through a journey, um, through, a, through some sort of a situation they might be going through.
1: Yeah, because it, ministry leaders have a tendency to, and I mean, and both of you have felt this in some kind of way. When we first get into ministry, we want to save everybody. Mm-hmm. Like every kid we see, we want them to know Jesus, maximize their full potential, walk in their purpose and their calling. And we try to get all of them right. Yeah. Uh, only to burn ourselves out and okay, and ask ourselves, what are we doing? Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, because, but Tandra, there is a situation that happened at a church I worked at where one of the leaders was trying to step in and help someone that was dealing with, um, suicidal thoughts and and different uh, disruptors that you talked about right and 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 actually needed deep professional uh help right and they tried to be this answer and the situation turned out very uh dire and deathly uh for the person that was struggling and there were some things that that really caused uh both sides to feel pain right the person that was trying to help feeling pain and the family that lost a loved one Feeling that pain too, and so uh, I guess as we talk about like church leaders not feeling the need to be everything or be counselors, what are what are some things some leaders can do for that leader? Candace talked about for that youth leader that may have that family come up to them tomorrow or this week, right? What is one of the first things they need to do? Because here's what we find out too: a lot of churches don't have the adequate training or handbook policies mm-hmm. uh for their employees to handle these type of situations. Right. So a lot of times the youth leaders out there by themselves. Mm-hmm. So 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 what would you say I and I I know we going left come back right. But what what are one of the what is the first step that youth leader can take if that family comes up to them this week with that with that crisis or that issue? Like what is the first thing they need to do? <sighs>
2: The first thing that that youth leader needs to do is to pray, honestly, to, to pray. And that, that's not cliche, really. It is to pray, um, because I've been that youth leader, right? Mm-hmm. I've been every what, what, you, what you've described um, uh-huh. is to pray, and then just take a moment, right and listen right? Listen to that family, listen to um, their story, and to do the very best not to try to fix it. Think about the power of listening all by itself and listening in a way that shows empathy and that shows love. Sometimes listening all by itself is just cathartic, It's just healing. It just lets somebody know that somebody else cares. And so if you're a youth leader and you are trying to figure it out, want to save everybody, look, only Jesus saves. That's
0: right. That's the Mm -hmm. first thing.
2: He saves. So good. And so pray and ask God to use you as he wants you to be used. And what he wants us to do is to love him and to love one another. That's what he Mm -hmm. wants us to do. And so I would say to listen, to listen to the hearts of the young people who are hurting, to listen to their families, to pray with them and for them, but to listen deeply. And not rush to fix. Mm. That 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 That's is really, good right there. That, that uh-huh. and, and, and to be okay with listening. How to mm-hmm. listen. we don't just learning how to listen and being comfortable with allowing yourself to have the empathy and experiencing someone else's hurt in community with them.
0: Hmm. Right. Yeah. I just, think some some younger just... leaders who have that savior complex would not be able to just listen and and not try to fix because you feel like, hey, I'm supposed to be the savior here.
2: See, that comes, we can go that that that's pride. That's a lot of other things uh-huh. that we can get into. <laughs> but but so my my experience <laughs> has taught me this. Holy Spirit has taught me this right um but one of the things that look I, I, there's there's a quote i often say um it's not mine i can't take credit for it but people to your point pervy about um you know you shared the story of the person that died by suicide um people die by suicide for many different reasons but it basically comes down to two a loss of hope and a loss of connection And if the church of Jesus Christ can't do something about those two things, then we might as well close our doors. What we're trying to do at Soul Shop is to call the church back to where God is calling us to. And that is to be the community of hope that God has intended us to be.
0: -hmm. Right?
2: And that starts with us seeing people who are hurting, who might not be telling us that they're hurting, because hurting people like to hide. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. Okay? Jesus and his disciples arrived on the scene. There were a crowd of people around. I can imagine all of that. Okay? She knew and she heard of him and what he can do. She had this problem for a long time. And because of her problem, she had a physical problem. She also had a social problem, right? Mm -hmm. Because she was ostracized from the community, right? And she thought, if I could only get to him through the crowds, right? If I could only get to him, something could happen. And because of that faith, She pressed her way through the crowd. Notice her position, though. She was behind. She was in back. Hurting people are often behind us. So we have to turn sometimes to see them. Mm -hmm. She pressed her way through and she touched the hem of its garment and she was healed. So we youth leaders, we have to turn to see the hurting people in our congregations. They're sitting in the back. They don't wanna participate in the activities. They stop Mm -hmm. showing up. They don't wanna talk, right? We also have to understand that people who are hurting are listening to our conversations and they're watching our actions because they're trying to determine mm-hmm. if we're safe. They're listening if we're going to say certain things and do certain things that are gonna reinforce their feelings that they're maybe unworthy and that they don't belong because of yeah. how, where they are. And so we have to take very great care in our ministry about how we are things we're saying and things we're doing so that we're not pushing them further and further on the fray. So the first thing we have to do in ministry is we have to turn and see the people that we're not looking at. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're so focused on the number of people that are showing up that we're not seeing the people who are not showing up.
0: That's so real.
1: You got to go back. You got to give those two you said the, a reason why a lot of people commit suicide or do is I said a, people, a loss of
2: people die by of, there are lots uh, yeah. of reasons. There are lots of reasons yep. and they're complex, right? Why yep. people die by suicide, but it boils down to two.
0: Yep, a loss yep.
2: of hope and a loss mm-hmm. of connection. And wow. if the church can't help with those two things, because we're hope dealers, right?
0: That's right. mhm.
2: And we are already a community and we're supposed to be, right? So we have mm-hmm. to strengthen our community, right? We have to address all the things that make people feel like we're not a good community, right? We have to address those things in community. And and hope is one of those things that takes a little longer. When people feel hopeless, it takes a little longer to 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 work on that. Um and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily the job of a youth worker or even a pastor. That mm-hmm. pervy is like where if someone is feeling hopeless, that may be um in conjunction with practical help that the church can give. I'll give an example. It hasn't been too long and some churches may still be doing this and if they are I'm calling them out. Young woman gets pregnant and she can't sing in the choir and she can't do this. We shun got it. Her. We shun it. Yep.
0: Gotta go to the we front of the church and apologize.
2: Imagine the harm that causes. And yep. and and I think I remember when they brought the woman who was caught in adultery to Jesus. I mean, that's for all of us to look at, right? We can see it for ourselves. He didn't shun her. Hmm. Okay, he didn't shun her; he showed her love. So we have example of love from Jesus, and we have a tendency to shun people who disappoint us in the church, and that causes harm. So a young woman who gets pregnant, she's not married, and we cause harm. And I don't think it's intentional or malicious. Right, um, and but the baby had, daddy's
1: still singing in the choir.
2: Oh, I I, I didn't even touch the baby daddy. No, huh? he playing the, he playing the drums.
1: He played, you know, he on the keys or something, you know, he on the keys. Oh man, say okay. okay just keep going, keep right. going, okay. keep going,
2: okay. And so she has a child. and Then maybe she has another. Maybe she has a couple baby daddies. I don't know. Right, right. Instead of pushing her out the church right? Because eventually she's going to leave the building, right? She's going to leave the building um, because of the stares and the looks and the things that people say. And this is real. Instead of doing that, how about we gather around her and we love on her? We help her with childcare. right? She's a single mom. How about some older women help her, right? We we don't we don't not give her a, a, a baby shower and give her clo get her clothes and stuff because we think that encourages her to go out and have other babies. Where they do that at, right? I'm just saying. She's in need. So how about we be hope with skin on?
0: How about mm-hmm. we give
2: her practical help? How about we love her and not judge her? Mm-hmm. How about we keep her in community because when she leaves that community. She's out in the world without a community, which places her at additional risk. That's right. So that's just one example, you know, one example of how the church, if we decided to really love people like Jesus is calling us to love people, the things that we can do in our churches to provide um, hope, practical help for people in our community right now um, who need
1: that help. Yeah. That, 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 Tandra, that is so powerful. And I I think when you say that, I think of this, I think of how many churches would rather push that woman or those people away because they don't have proper programming to build them or restore them. So their only option is to push them away. Because if you brought them in because you don't have things in place to help them grow as a believer, you then become a place where you feel like you're condoning the behavior and you begin to see other people do things because they know you're going to give them help. But if you were a church that offered tangible, practical ministries that help people spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially to not make these same decisions then you would have a church that holds people accountable and not to where they feel like they can come and just do anything and get help. And a lot of our churches, basically our black churches aren't equipped to minister to people in those positions. So we push them away and we would rather judge them because we're not equipped to really restore them and help them.
2: And let me ask this question. Mm -hmm. So, so what if the black church, And I know there we have lots of churches, right? And there, you know, I know churches that struggle in certain areas of practical help for people. And I know churches that have good ministries and strong ministries in certain what if in in a community churches came together with we can do this and we can do this and we can do this and we can do that. And Mm -hmm. and connecting with the practical social service help in that community where right where we are creating what we call soul safe communities right so we're not in isolation mm-hmm. but the church being that agent of change that we've always been the black church has been that agent of change in our community throughout history and this time is no different that's right
0: mm-hmm.
2: Right? So, if my church doesn't yeah. have something, Hervey, and your church does, why can't I mm-hmm. lean on your church? And if Candace's church has something, mm-hmm. and we create a network that I know if I have mm-hmm. someone in my church that right. needs something, that we're aligned because we have um, a vision for the church that's bigger than our individual churches, right? That we're going to be a universal mm-hmm. church where no one loses hope and no one feels alone. And so if we don't have it, let's yeah. work on finding a way in the body that we meet the need so we don't lose people. Like, that's radical. Yeah.
0: Let's dive in for a let's dive in for a second about talking about safe, safe, safe places, um, and the church being that safe place. Cause you talked, talked a little bit about that. Um, but I want to just dive in here, here a bit, because I think that there are things that churches can do to let people know that they don't just care about their spiritual health, that they care about their mental health and their physical health. Right. Um, and all different, all other aspects of, what makes up a healthy person, like a holistic, holistic care, and holistic health. But when churches only, th- and this is going, some people might send me to send me to the other place for this, but when churches only talk about, you know, your faith and don't talk about you being hungry, don't talk about depression. Don't talk about, um, different, different things that people peer peer pressures that people really experience in life and how that causes them to behave a certain way. And, and, you know, um, and how that impacts their function within this world. When we don't really talk about the reality of what people are experiencing, then what that does in my eyes is it makes people feel like, okay, my, my life And all the things that are happening in my life belong over here. And then my faith belongs over here and doesn't realize that there's, that there's space for them to blend together. And God desires for them to be blended together. (laughs) Right. So we at the, we, we, we within the church have got to really, really talk about the reality of what's happening in people's lives. And if we have people coming to us, say, say we do give that, that, that young lady who's you know, young and having a baby. Say we give her a baby shower, right? You know, say we help help a, a teenager who, you know, might be experiencing something else um, that might be considered a taboo topic, but provide them some sort of a support. And people start to realize, hey, this church is one that really cares about people. This church is one that really starts supporting people. And if you start seeing more people coming to you, people might be like, oh, people are thinking that this is acceptable to do. So therefore we need to stop providing these services because it's just feeding people, people wanting to do this more and more. But the reality is people are seeing you as a place to bring their full selves in a totality of who they are. And the church needs to be that place where people know that they can bring their full selves and they can bring the totality of who they are. Because when you blend faith faith with um, or bring God into the middle of your crisis, the middle of your storm, the middle of your situation, what it does for a teenager or even a child or a family, it helps people to be able to really see where God is in the midst of it. And they can feel like God hasn't abandoned them. And sometimes when we don't point, we don't blend those two worlds together and help people to really engage faith amid a crisis or faith amid a storm, people can't see that. You know, I remember a time in my life, there was one point in my life when I said, I I vividly remember this. I said, God has not done anything for me. I said, Mm. from my socks to my car, I got it all by myself. Right. And Mm. I said that and I was in college and I meant every word. And that's because no one ever helped me to really see where God was in the middle of. Of my life storms. And the more that we can help people to see where God is and walk alongside people, and maybe we're walking along somebody about beside somebody as we walk with their professional care because we're not, we need to realize when our abilities stop, right? And when a professional needs to step in. So maybe we're a part of this village that's walking along with this family. Right. Um, when we are present in those moments, whether we're showing up to court, whether we're showing up to the, the birth of a new baby, whether we are showing up to, to after a counseling session and be like, How's it going? A counseling session with a professional, not your pastor. Yes. Right. <laughs> or reach out to somebody <laughs> and say, Hey, I know you had your first session today. Right. Um, when we show up in those moments, then we let them see that God cares about the totality of their life and not just this one lane in this one avenue. And And that's what I'm calling all of us to. I'm calling all of us to really help people to see, and we might and, and a lot of ministry leaders will say, "Well, I, I care already. I know I care already, but do people know, and can people tell?
2: and 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 so I love that yep. you you raised that, that so thank you," because it's so very powerful. And as you were talking, I thought about um, one of the things, practical str- practical things that the church needs to do. And and one of the things that we try to do with Soul Shop um, is we try to equip faith leaders to um, integrate ministering to people who are struggling with trauma, mental health challenges, and suicidal thinking into the life and ministry of their church. So what does that mean? We provide examples of where examples in the Bible that they can use for preaching and teaching so they can do just that, begin to make connections. So if you look in the book of Acts with the Philippian jailer, he was going about his life. His job was to be the jailer, right? Then there was an earthquake, right? Mm -hmm. Paul and Silas was in jail. The doors opened up. Okay. We don't get any indication that anything was wrong in his life before that, before that moment. But in that moment, everything changed. Right? And he wanted to die. Yeah. Right? Doesn't say he was depressed. He wanted to die. In my sanctified mind, he was like, oh man, I'm gonna get in trouble. The prisoners got out. Right? He was desperate in his mind, right? He didn't he didn't know what was gonna happen. There was a whole community of people. And what does Paul say? Paul says, do not harm yourself. We are here.
0: Mm-hmm. In that desperate mm-hmm. moment,
2: the community stood up and said, "We got your back." And because there was a caring community right mm-hmm. there with him in mm-hmm. the midst of his struggle, we got yeah. you. I don't know if he got. Fi- I don't know if he got fired from the job, right? Because there was a a community there, he got saved. Not only him, but his whole family.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Because the community was with them. So Mm -hmm. by giving leaders tools, like here are some passages of scripture that you can use and talk about Mm -hmm. these things that you can teach from in the pulpit
1: Mm -hmm. in Bible
2: class in small group so that we can start to help faith matter and make those connections where people can see that God does care. Mm -hmm. You know, when God was talking to the father in uh, whose, whose, whose son was um, struggling, right. Mm -hmm. He says to the dad, how are you first? Like, let's yeah. talk about you first. I'm concerned about how you're mm-hmm. doing. We're going to get to him. And so we need that as leaders to show yeah. young people that God does care about your struggle. Mm-hmm. And these are examples of how he, how he's shown that.
1: Because yeah, the problem with the church is,
2: <laughs> yo, we,
1: we, we let that Jella kill himself. <laughs> we, in that story, we let RBC. <laughs> Yeah. because Paul and Silas, uh, they thought more about his life than they did their freedom. Yeah. Oh, yes. And they they said, "Okay, you know what? Hey, don't harm yourself. We we here. Yes. We got you. Yeah. What the church is doing today is when them shackles come off, instead of saving somebody else, we run and we get our freedom, and we don't care about nobody else.
2: That's a word there, Pervy."
1: And, and, Hmm. and and so that's what I hope leaders need to hear. Like your freedom is for you to save somebody Mm, else. That's
0: right. When your
1: shackles come off it's for you to think about the person, the other person, right? Like it's, and I don't know why we don't get it, but, but that, that, that's what, that's where we are. Like, and, and that, that story you bring out lets me, it really, in my sanctified mind, like it just like churches, churches are, just letting people harm themselves or, or run away or, or, or fall deeper into depression because we are so concerned about ourselves and not them.
2: I don't, I think we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. I I, I want to give us a little grace and uh, I want to give us grace and, and my experience as Candace said, it's not scientific, but in doing these workshops and I share it with Candace, um, um, when in doing these workshops, I can feel the Holy Spirit moving in the room. The shift that leaders are making when we're having these conversations, and they're like, whoa, whoa, hmm. right? I can feel the I can feel the work of of God in these workshops where leaders, as we're asking them creating that tension and asking them to look at this in a different way. Part of the difficulty we have with talking about this is our own emotions. We don't need more information, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is often hard for us because we don't have answers. And I know we're going to get to yeah. like, what do we do? What do we say? Like we want like all of, and that we don't have It's hard for us to know what to say because it, it can be triggering for us. You know, we have our own histories and traumas and things like that. And so Mm -hmm. this is is hard to do, but I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, and I can make this promise with with 100% certainty um, that we, the church, we can do this. And we have some tools that are effective, that we can unlearn the things that we've learned that can cause harm and learn some simple conversational tools that can lead to our freedom. Right. And can help us be able to minister in a whole way and help people on their journey to healthiness and to, and to healing. I could could talk to Tandra all day.
0: I know. I just want there to be a there to be a better blend or a better reception maybe between the i guess more of the traditional forms of counseling you know whether it be things like um just going to seek seeking a therapist you know um or or um any, any any kind of therapy that might exist, you know, whether it's some kind of a CBT therapy, right, um, or it, whether it's some kind of a um, honestly like a, a meditative practice or like a yoga. Like some people kind of be like, no, I yoga is that's that's what the, the the other people do over there. But the reality is meditation and centering, and when you get your body evolved, sometimes a good stretch can help to relax. I don't know what all the technical terms are, but I know there's like endorphins in the body and hormones that are adjusted and balanced when you go for a jog and when you stretch and when you work out on those kind of things. And those things are real. And I think that there needs to be a better blend or a better reception probably between faith communities and some of those other practices, because I mean, when we bring them together, the power in them. And if you have the power of Christ and the power of God, like God is not going to be negated just because you practice yoga. Right. I mean, I personally believe that. I don't think that that, that just because you practice if you need a chance now and doing all that kind of stuff, that's a whole different conversation. I ain't saying chance. Right. I'm just talking about getting you a good deep stretch, you know, or getting your body physically active. And if us faith leaders can really just encourage that, because I know within the church, we don't always practice some good health habits ourselves, too. Right.
1: Um, le- leaders don't do enough. Uh, they don't do enough research or studying on the mind.
0: That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right?
1: The, the, the Bible says it is with the mind that we serve the Lord. Right. Mm. So while I'm doing yoga and I'm stretching, if the Bible tells me to meditate on his word day and night, That's to right. put my mind on him while I'm stretching, I can be quoting scripture.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. You know yes. <laughs> you no
1: know, while while I'm jogging or whatever I'm doing with my I can be quoting scripture, my mind can be the, the Bible says that God doesn't look at the external it looks at the heart, Ooh. so it's the posture of my heart while mm-hmm. I'm doing these exercises where I am, and the church has been so scared of what they don't know that's right, yes, they put a stigma on it and say that's wrong no, yeah. that's just your opinion mm-hmm. like if, if I want to go to a a a sauna with my friends and i'm i'm releasing myself and getting meditating and I'm I'm getting away from my day. There is nothing sacrilegious about that. I'm not tainting my relationship with the Lord.
0: It's a form of worship. like like when you when you work out it's a form of worship i know when i work out i'm like i'm thanking god for the ability to do different things and i'm asking god for the ability to keep going like it is a form of worship when you honor your body and you take care of your body in those kind of ways and it does help your mental health i mean i know that i know that's proven fact don't ask me what the statistics are but i know that that is proven fact you
2: are absolutely right candace it is proven fact (laughs) that's
1: not that's not a canonism that's not a canonism that's fact
2: that's that's fact right
0: and and
2: a word about a word about therapy you know therapy gets a really 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 bad rap um unfortunately um and i love the discussion that we're having and we're talking about um a holistic you know a holistic um approach to mental wellness and um, that is, we're holistic beings, you know, mm-hmm. we're body, mind, and spirit. And so we have to care yeah. for all parts of who we are. And I think as a Black, as the Black church and the Black community, we haven't done a good job, I think Candice, you were talking about, of that. How do we care for our bodies and our minds and our spirits, right? And I think that we have a responsibility um, to do that in, in very tangible ways and to learn what that looks like and not be afraid of what that looks like. And where, when there is a need, as we talked about earlier for a medical intervention or a professional intervention in any of those areas, right. Um, that we as the church should not be afraid to seek that out. We can have Jesus and Mm. therapy prayer and pills, right? Like mm-hmm. whatever that is, you know, whether it's for our blood pressure or for our ADHD, you know, whether it's our heart medication, you know, or it's for anxiety or depression. So, you know, and there are ways of going about that um, by seeking the Lord and his guidance and finding the right um, type of treatment, doing your research and there are different types Mm. of treatment and they're Christian therapists. Right. So, you know, that's your preference. And just because a therapist isn't Christian, doesn't mean that they are not going to help you. Right. Or that they can't help you or that they're going to impose their beliefs on you. A therapist, a therapist's job is to meet you where you are.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Uh So Mm -hmm. if you
2: come in there with your Bible, yeah, and you want to sit down and have a conversation, right? Understand that the therapist is not a Christian; they they're limited, but they have a responsibility to listen. Yeah, right. To listen to you work through whatever it is you need to work through, they're there for you, you know. Um, so don't throw therapy out. It is very helpful. Find the right yeah. person.
1: So. so- So Tandra, if anyone wants to find you to learn more about you or what you do and how they can bring a soul shop training to your, their church or community, how can, how can they find you?
2: Yes. Yes. They can find me. They can um, email me at Tandra T A N D R A Tandra at soul shop movement.org Tandra at soul shop movement.org. Um, and I hope that Um, we can continue the conversation and people will reach out. You can go to our website. Um, I'm there. You can reach out to to us at soulshopmovement.org on our website. Um, And yeah, I would love to continue the conversation. Reach out if you have a question. You want to talk more about um, what you can do in your church and how you can um, equip leaders for ministering to those impacted by suicide. Be very happy to talk with you. Um,
0: about that, just reach out. Thanks, Tanja. Thanks for being here, part of this conversation. This has been this has been really, really good. Any last thoughts from either one of you? Any last thoughts for anybody listening?
1: I'm just uh, you you like you batting a thousand with guests, Candace I mean, you, you, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> I'm so proud of you. You bringing good it's people that, on for that that us to spirit talk of to. The
0: discernment that we just took. <laughs> no,
2: great conversation. Great conversation. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. Any last thoughts, Sandra?
2: You know, I um I I just want to thank you and um for this robust conversation and for your ministry. You know, and what you're what mm. you're doing and I would encourage um your community um to get connected with the work that you're doing here um because I think that this is part of when talking about practical tools and practical help. Um, this ministry here, this podcast, and the work that you're doing is practical ministry help for those who are looking um, to go deeper um, in ministry and to learn. And you're doing just that and equipping um, the next generation Mm. of faith leaders. So thank you for all that you're doing.
0: Girl, we're going to have you back because I love me a good shameless plug now, baby. Ah, <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, Thank this is you. this is the work of God and I appreciate uh, being a part mm. of it and adding what I can to it and um, we'll do this together.
1: Thank you. You see that smile, you see that smile on her face? Look I, at know. You know, awe, I know. It ain't it, ain't
0: oh, it yeah. beautiful? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you <laughs> <God>. Oh, man. <laughs> This has been good. Thank y'all for being a part of this conversation. For all of you all listening, let's keep the conversation going in the Boone Community Facebook group. So get connected with us there. Head over to Facebook and find us, The Boone Community. And if you can't find it on Facebook, just head over to our website, theboonecommunity.com. That's theboonecommunity.com. And let's keep this conversation going. Episodes are dropping monthly. We are actually going to be taking a break in the month of January. We got something for you for December, but January, just hold your horses. We're going to take a little bit of a self-care break and kind of regroup with our team um so we got one for the balance of this year december but january we're gonna take a break and hit you back in february thanks for being on this journey with us and god bless you keep it going